trade Zion Williamson? Would the Pelicans, should the Pelicans actually consider it? Howard Beck joins the show today to break down what he thinks the Pelicans might do this offseason. It's Friday's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, I'm excited to welcome on Howard Beck, currently with GQ, formerly Bleacher Report Sports Illustrated, basically everywhere he's been covering the league for over 25 years. Howard, am I required to say what up, Beck, when I introduce you onto a show here? Uh, there's no requirement, nor is there a prohibition. Um, there's also no fees or uh, royalties involved. Zach Lowe, I, I got him on the record some months ago to, to give the blanket permission to the world uh, nobody owes him a nickel every time or anything like that. Uh, it's 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 uh, it's open source. It's free for all. So uh, yes, you can have at it. Okay, <laughs> awesome. I was like, I don't know, if I have the, that that Zach Lowe kind of money here to be kicking him um, for for when the show gets replayed. So I wanted to bring you on to kind of get, uh, to give us the outsider perspective, you know, on this Pelicans team. As I'm here every day covering them, it's nice to get kind of that perspective of someone else and what kind of the league views the team as a whole. So I want to kind of start there with this past season that they've had. Maybe we want to stay away from words like failure or disappointment, but this is a team <laughs> that was first in the West, ended up not making the playoffs at all. How do you view a season like this? It's hard, right? Like it's really hard sometimes. Certain teams have a season and the Pelicans, they, they, they all feel like this to an extent, but this one more than most, where – there's parts of the season where I come away super impressed and think, you know what? There's so much promise with this team. And then there's the broader outline, which is they were, I had done the math on this at one point, they were in first or second place in the West in December for a majority of days in December. Um, And I thought at that time, here it is. They've got that nice mix of youth and vets. They've got defenders. They've got length. They've got shooting. Um, They've got obviously, you know, a, 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 budding star superstars in, in, in Zion and Ingram and CJ's just really steady. Like this is, a t- I just liked the combination of, of players and talent and, and versatility. Like it was great. And, and I think even in December was a time when it was, you know, we do the all way too early, you know, start kicking around um, all the awards. And I was like, yeah, Willie green, you know, uh, yeah, it was like year. right in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it ends on a really down note. And that's not to be diminished, but if I'm, if I'm, if I'm going glass half full, there is still the, and this is the, this is like the worst team ever to have to do this, this caveat with, but when healthy, <laughs> when healthy, the Pelicans have a lot of promise and, and, and we'll get into that. But um, I, I also think for the second straight season that the way that they kind of pulled together a rally down the stretch um, and made themselves competitive and and put themselves in play for, you know, play in and, and a year ago playoffs. Like I, I that spoke well of of them overall as a group, too. Like there there were so many times this season where they could have just decided to just kind of cash out. And I don't think yeah, absolutely. they ever did. So, 
No, you go back to that team in December and leading up to January and what basically Zion got hurt on, on January 1st. And that's when the season turned. Yeah. Brandon Ingram was out for a lot of that with the toe injury that he suffered. Right. And they still went on a seven game winning streak, not beating the best competition. But I think that says something when you're second, you could argue maybe first best player is out and you're yeah. able to keep on winning like that. And it says that there's something here and maybe it's too early to give up on some of that. You've heard, I've heard some things of, you know, maybe they'll look to trade Zion. Maybe they'll look to trade Brandon Ingram. Some of that's fans also throwing out there. You think it's, you got to kind of stay the course a little bit with this team. So this gets into my, my biggest big thought on the Pelicans. Um, bear, bear with me as I probably spin myself in circles for a minute. Um, there's a case to be made. There is a legitimate premise. And I've, I've, I've bounced this off of some, uh, you know, other teams, execs and scouts and folks in, over the course of even just the last few months, because Zion was out and it looked like he was probably going to be out for the rest of the season again. And so I, I asked some people like, isn't there a case to just say, you know what, let's get out of the Zion business. And, and I don't, and if they did decide to do that, is how easy is that or how complicated is that? And it works on, on a bunch of different levels here. So this, this is why I say I'm going to spin in circles for a minute here and bear with me. Like it, there's a, there's a lot to unpack with the idea of it. So first it's, is there a case to be made that they might just be better off stability wise and just having a certain predictability about who they are, what their core is by just saying, you know what, uh, Brandon Ingram is, is, you know, a, a perennial all-star or all-star candidate uh, at minimum. Um, we've got talent there. CJ McCollum is a guy who like, listen, he's, he's got some miles on him, but CJ can play at an all-star ish level. And, you know, so here's, here's our two anchors. We've got uh, Trey and Herb and we've got Valanciunas and we've got all these other pieces. We've got like, if you imagine what's there, what they've been playing with essentially without Zion anyway, mm -hmm. and then imagine some, you know, amorphous high, you know, uh, hypothetical return for Zion, whatever it may be. Isn't that a pretty good team, right? And 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 like, there's merit to that. Where it gets complicated is, all right. First, purely on the basketball merits, what's what is there going to be a, a a market for Zion given his injury history? The same thing that is causing you to wonder what to do with him is the same thing that was will cause give everybody else in the league pause. I don't know how to value Zion in a trade, given all that. That said, we see that when he plays, he plays at an MVP level. Uh, he, he's a transcendent Dude's pretty good. <laughs> he's pretty freaking good. And that there's an allure there, which brings you to the last piece, which is all of that aside and trying to figure out, would somebody trade for him? How much would they give up? How much risk do people think that there is? After that, then there's still the matter of, well, hold on. <laughs> Are we going to regret trading this guy? What if, what if tomorrow is the day that he finally stays healthy? The, one of these seasons, he may actually play 70 games. And, and then and then figure it out and stay that way in perpetuity. And if he does, do we look like the biggest idiots in the history of, of the NBA for having traded him too soon? He's still really young. And and so there's there's that. And then on top of that, there's the last layer, which is you have a fan base and a market, um, a small market uh, to boot where, you know, your margin for error, I think, uh, just in terms of, of keeping fans engaged, having a following, uh, generating revenue, selling tickets. He's kind of important to all those things. And so you can't just lightly say, you can't just throw up your hands and say, I'm frustrated by all this. I'm done. I'm out of the Zion business. And then just, you know, trade him for spare parts. It's not that simple. There's a lot to it. I don't even know if it's a reasonable discussion on some level. That's why I kind of workshopped it with other people around the <laughs> league. 
I do wonder, and I don't have any intel on this. I do wonder if that is something that they bounce around at times in in their front office, where it's like, this is a, we need to move forward. We need to be able to make steady progress. We have this really promising young core. We do have a perennial all star. We have good players here. We just we just have this 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 uh, you know one thing that we this obstacle we can't surpass. Our best player, our biggest talent, our highest paid player is holding us back. So on that, what's causing the holdback? Is this something that you view as a franchise issue, a Zion issue, a Zion's camp issue? Maybe, you know, is it both sides? There definitely seems to be some communication breakdowns between the player and the organization at times. And when you're trying to kind of figure out how to solve this, and this is something I've said repeatedly on the show, you know, we'll get into trading picks. We'll get into free agents and stuff in a little bit here. None of that matters if Zion isn't playing. And if you still have him on the roster and you haven't moved him, how does this get resolved? When might this get resolved? That's a great question. I, I just don't know. I mean, I think, I, I wonder at some point, so, you know, whether it's David Griffin, whether it's ownership, whether somebody at some point in an influential position in the organization gets to a point where they say, this is enough, right? This is, this, we, we, <laughs> this is not sustainable. We can't, we can't have run this same um, narrative that, or this, live this same narrative year after year after year. So, Every year there's this renewed hope, more or less, right? Like, yeah, yeah no, always, trust yeah. me. I see, I see the cycles here, right? The season yeah. ends and then Zion looks healthy in the off season. You go yeah. into next year and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be right. the year. And then the way I describe it with this team is it's always something. There's just yeah. always something holding them back. And the big part is it's Zion for the past couple of seasons. Yes. Yes. Your, your best player is also your, your biggest, um, you know, uh, whatever your biggest obstacle, like, and Look, I, I I wrote the cover story for the NBA preview issue for Sports Illustrated last fall about the new Zion, and here we go, here he comes. And I spent a day with him down in Fort Lauderdale, and he looked incredible. He looked amazing. He looked amazing to start the year. He's fully yeah. capable of doing this. People forget yes. that. I think. I don't know if he's capable of, of sustaining it over the course of a full season, and I don't know if he's capable of, of overcoming setbacks because the, the track record suggests that he's always going to have an injury and that he's going to have a difficult time overcoming the injury, coming back from the injury, that he's going to have a difficult time keeping the weight off during the injury. Um, you know, there, there are, you know, around the league, they, they view him as, as a big concern, not just uh, as an injury risk, but as a overall fitness risk that there's not enough of a dedication there. That is the sense around the league that this is a guy who you can't always trust to stay on the program. And so if, if, if that's the belief around the league, I guarantee you that they have those concerns internally. So is that something that the Pelicans just have to put their foot down and somehow force it on the player? Or is that not really something you can do in this league, right? That's where these yeah. things, I think, get uh, tricky. Unless you're Pat Riley, who I think <laughs> still has like, you know, body fat index type requirements. Um, I, he's, I don't know if anybody else can enforce that aside from Pat Riley because he's Pat Riley and the rest of you are not. Um, yeah, so has Haslam that kind of enforces that on the team, right? Like that's a uh, culture thing with them too, I think, to a degree. Yeah, you go try and argue with Donis Haslam about <laughs> about your your diet and your fitness regimen. Um, you know, go, go try and argue with either of them, you 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 Donis or or uh, Pat Riley. Um, yeah, I don't I I don't know what there's that there's much that can be done there, and it is a delicate dance 
between a franchise and its star player, between a franchise and its star player, and sometimes uh, their circle, in this case, you know, family. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't envy the position they're in. Um, I don't want to get too in the weeds on that one, but yeah, yeah. it's delicate and it is complicated. Uh, and, and, it, and it does kind of um, inform my general outlook when I'm talking about things like, huh, maybe you want to get out of the Zion business. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's why it's, I think, an open question. So coming up here next, let's take a look at the organization as a whole a little bit more. Talk about Brandon Ingram, some of the other players, and then we'll get into the offseason as well. That's coming up here next with Howard Beck on today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by eBay Motors. I work on all my own cars. I got a 1976 Corvette that I am fixing up. I've told you all I just put on new brake calipers on it, new brake pads. I've swapped in a new radiator working on the window and I get all my parts from eBay Motors because with eBay's guaranteed fit you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you're going to be back in the game in no time. You don't want the wrong fitting parts. If you're trying to keep it original, you need those parts too. eBay Motors can do it. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday breaking down this team like no one else does, completely free. Become an everydayer. Great guests like Howard Beck here. Monday, we're going to be doing a mailbag if you want to tune in. And if you want to support the channel, comment down below on YouTube. So Howard, let's move away from Zion a little bit here because that's probably something that we could do for like you know a couple of hours before and not really get anywhere, come to any solid conclusions with it. Overall, how do you view the team in general? You mentioned the small market part and how you have a much smaller margin for error. And that's something that David Griffin has said, too. You know, how they've been operating so far, I think it seems to be a little bit sustainable with some of the growth of young guys like Trey Murphy, who I think looks like he could be a, a second scorer on a team, something along those lines. How do you view the team kind of overall from a league-wide perspective? Um, Obviously pretty young overall but um i like i said you know at the outset the outline of what they have built with this combination of you know young players with a lot of upside and who you know they do a really nice job of player development there too right like it seems mm -hmm. like more guys than not uh end up catching and 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 clicking they, they have um, like three two-way contracts that have been in the nba for a while now going back to kenrich williams right who's with the thunder and earned a nice deal there yeah. too yeah. So, uh, so they, they're doing a lot of the little things, right. And, and they're making good picks throughout the draft. I mean, it's, you know, Z Zion, it's funny, you know, Zion's the easy part. He's the number one overall pick and everybody would have picked him number one. And, and that Zion's also the hard part. Right. But it's the other guys that they've picked up along the way. Um, Trey Murphy's and, and, and Herb Jones, um, you know, Najee Marshall, uh, Alvarado, whose uh, Jersey's hanging behind you. Um, you know um, it, it, it like they're getting the little things right there. And it's a funny thing too. Like when you go through a period like this, it starts to be like, well, what's wrong with that organization? And it's not really like, if you, you just have to, you know, look at the basics, which is Zion's always hurt. Ingram's been hurt, you know, quite a bit himself. Um, you know uh, and, and so, you know, 
if somebody wants to say, well, you know, is, is this a case to reevaluate your your approach to uh, player health, medical staff, training, sports science, whatever, everything that goes with that? Like that's that's fair to wonder. That's a hard thing to know without you know without being, being in, in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, without being there. Um, you know, and I don't cover the team day to day, so I don't I don't have a good feel for that. Um, but you know, that's I, I think there are probably some things that have been whispered about that around the league or just kind of wondering, which is natural. Like that's not, mm -hmm. again, that's not some, nothing scandalous. It's just like, and I've seen, by the way, I've, I've seen other teams where you have a, you know, either, a, you know, a renowned head of, of uh, athletic training or head of, of medical um, people who are well-respected, who had good track records, but you go through a period of a couple of years where stuff starts to break down, meaning players starting to break down and they, they, you know, flush the entire staff and they and they start over and and even if you've got somebody you really believe in and i know that they do um sometimes you have to re reassess that I, I don't know if that's on the table but it, it would be fair to wonder about given their track record so anyway your, your question about like personnel like I, I, I there's nothing to nitpick there really like it i think it's a good thing listeners are gonna yes. like that <laughs> it's like if you if you just looked at like uh, coaching staff looks good players look good roster looks good like everything just you know if you if you ran the simulation you know, with injuries off, you know, if whether this was, uh, you know, NBA 2K or or just, you know, a, nice. a, or just or just the algorithm, you know, the 538 algorithm, somebody, anybody's and you just ran the simulation, you know, even with an average amount of injuries, um, the Pelicans would probably be a top four team in the Western Conference. And the conversation you and I are having on May 11th would be much different than the one we're having. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, I, I definitely think they believe in Aaron Nelson. And the way I look at it, you know, going back to Zion, we don't have to stick on this too much. I kind of put it a little bit more on the player than the team. You look at Joel Embiid with the Philadelphia 76ers, right? And the injuries he had in the beginning of his career. And they, I think, flushed everyone and kind of changed everything. But he got healthy when he seemed to kind of commit to it a little bit more. And that's when he started to become the MVP player we yeah. see right now. And it's maybe a blueprint for Zion to follow with all of that. When you look at this team from a salary cap perspective, does their cap sheet worry you a little bit? You know, you're paying Zion 30, his extension kicks in, missed all NBA, so he's getting 193 million over five years. He's getting basically 38 and a half million per year. Brandon Ingram's on his 30 plus million dollar deal. So is CJ McCollum. It's really top heavy when you're committing $100 million to three guys. And the Pelicans are one of two teams in NBA history that's never paid the luxury tax. And they're about $4 yeah. million away from it right now. Is yeah. that something that kind of concerns you with how they might operate this year? Because that deal for Josh Richardson, the trade deadline, sending out Devontae Graham, to me, and from what I've heard with the team, was also a little bit more thinking about future salary and kind of planning for the salary cap this year because they'd be over the tax otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I have not gone all Bobby Marks uh, here. No, and you uh, don't need to. You don't need to. <laughs> Bobby does a much better job of doing the Bobby Marks thing than than I do. Um, but but he, you know, and I don't remember what he said in his his, his uh, postseason primer for them. But uh, to your question, like, of course, yeah, there has to be a concern on the salary cap side of it, and on the payroll side of it in general, and tax concerns, and given the market that they're in, uh, and as you point out. Uh, and, and it's an important point. They've never paid the tax and they, they uh, probably intend never to. And the thing is in general in this league, small market, big market, um, you know, cheap owners, you know, lavishly spending owners, all of them, they'll operate, I think on a similar principle, which is, uh, Oh, you want me to go into the tax? 
Mr. GM, um, how are we going to do this year? Are we are we a conference finals team? Are we going to the finals? We go, are we winning championship? Because, you know, if we're going to win the championship, sure, I'll, I'll pay the tax. Oh, we're not winning the championship? Oh, we made I made a playoffs? No, I'm um, sorry. Uh, start start, start <laughs> offloading guys for second-round picks. Uh, I'm not paying the tax. Nobody wants to pay the tax if they're not going to be good. Um, right. And, and by good, I mean contender good. So um, are, are the Pelicans, do they have a – like – there's a contender somewhere in this roster, right? Like, so how do you define contender? When I say contender, I'll like, I do this all the time when I'm writing, I I try to qualify things. If I use contender on its own, I usually mean championship contender in conversation. If I'm writing, I'll say championship contender. Um, Okay. And then a team that's been flirting with, you know, whatever the, you know, stuck on the treadmill of mediocrity, I'll say, you know, a playoff contender this season. Gotcha. Okay. But I, when I use contender on its own, I usually mean title contender. I'm so is that like, like that. is that kind of basically conference finals for you more or less like top yeah. four team in the NBA? Right. Because yes, because if you, if you think you've got a path, at least to the conference finals, you are at least in play, right? Like nobody can yeah. guarantee you're going to go to the final sure. in a championship. But um, if you can, if you can make the case that you, you're going to make a run to the conference finals um, and, and have a sustainable ability to do that over the course of, of whatever, two, three, five years, that's when you might convince the owner to to pay the luxury tax at least a couple times in that span. It's hard to make the case when you're not even making the playoffs or with, if you're flirting with playing games, right? So it is a concern. It is it is a, a more pronounced concern in a small market. It is a more pronounced concern when one of your highest paid players is a guy who can't stay on the court. Um, so at some point, it's going to it's going to cost. It's going to put them in a position where they were going to make personnel decisions that they don't want to otherwise make. Yeah. Um, I don't know where the sacrifice is. And the thing is, like, you want C.J. McCollum for all that he does and all that he represents, um, both as a basketball player and as a person, as a character, as a leader, right? So you don't want to have to offload C.J. Ingram is your 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 best player who actually plays, and Zion's your best player in theory. <laughs> um <laughs> So then what happens? Like, all right, can you offload Larry Nance's 10 million? Can you do you, would you, what happens if you offload, you know, Jonas's 15? Like, I, you, you, you know, you start end up having to, to like peel away players that you really want. And on, in the meantime, uh, all those young guys we've been raving about are going to come up for contracts. So yeah, there's a, there's a clock ticking and maybe even a time bomb ticking. Yeah, Herb is extension eligible this season. Trey Murphy is going to be extension eligible next season. I imagine Trey's contract is going to be near max for him, if not a full max for him with kind of what he's displayed so far. So they're kind of, it feels like they need to kind of figure it out a little bit this coming year. And it might even hold them back depending on how competitive they are. If they are healthy going into next season and they stay healthy, more importantly, are they going to be able to convince ownership to pay the luxury tax, especially with the new CBA? And I haven't gone through it entirely, but it looks like you can get pretty punitive on some teams. And for a small market team that's dodged all of this, I do think there's some long-term concerns about how they're going to operate. So coming up next, let's talk about going forward. Let's get into the players, some of the draft picks they have too, and what Howard thinks this team might do to try and kind of be competitive, maybe convince ownership to pay the luxury tax. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday. No one else comes to you like this completely free. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow along on YouTube. And if you want to support the channel, comment down below on YouTube and become an everyday. We're going to do a mailbag episode on Monday. We'll answer your questions. Now talking with Howard Beck of GQ. 
So what's this team got to do this offseason? What do they need to add? <laughs> Given they don't have a ton of money. <laughs> this is this is this is probably the hardest one. Uh, this is where I really needed to have gotten my my Bobby Marks on before I uh, came on with you. Um, I don't know that there's a lot to be done. Um, you know, that's a fair answer. Like that's a fair answer. David Griffin kind of telegraphed that a little bit saying like, it'll be minor tweaks if anything. Yeah. Um, and they've got, uh, their pick is what 14th. It's um, going to be 14th. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not leaping up, but who knows <laughs> the, the new, the new lottery odds are funky, man. Like, hey, look, they got a 0.5% chance of, of landing Wemby and getting the number one overall pick there. It, it exists. It, 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 how, how, how wild would that be? Like, <laughs> I, oh, I did a whole show and I think I enraged my listeners a little bit. And it was like, if they get the number one overall pick, would they trade it? Because I do think, I mean, they're not going to trade it, right? You'd pair Wimanyama and Zion, obviously. But what would that open up in terms of trade possibilities with the number one overall pick and this team? And I think it opens up yeah. a lot of other doors that you wouldn't get otherwise. So, um, yeah, my gosh. Uh, anyway, <laughs> could just be wild. I can't wait for the lottery. Um, I love the lottery. It's it's a ridiculous convention, but I love it. Um, I, I, I think, look, it, it always seems weird to say that a team that uh, had a so-so season, you know, hey, run it back. But yeah, look, they're, they're, they're the rare team where it's like, again, back to the, the, the greatest caveat in the history of caveats, if they're healthy. If they're healthy, you just want to see this team just go. Like I don't, I don't want to mess around with it. Um, but you know, when we bring in like the the previous segments conversation about luxury tax concerns, mm -hmm. that leads us right back to the Zion thing, right? Like that's yeah. And you're you know, and again, you're not probably trading your other two uh, big salaried players. There's you either are trade you either consider you either seriously consider trading Zion to get out of this cycle. And to replenish the rest of the roster and to avoid the tax yeah. and to exchange one massive salary for a bunch of depth and smaller, more movable, more manageable salaries. Or you continue down this path, cross your fingers and hope for the best. Um, and I think it, probably that's what they're doing, right? It, there's something to be said for going down with the Zion ship. Right. Like you kind of mentioned it in the first segment. Do you want to be the GM? Do you want to be the person that traded away Zion Williamson? And that's what you're going to forever be known, known as yeah. if he gets good and healthy. And so are you just going to kind of fail in spectacular fashion if it ends up happening? You mentioned a player last segment that I do think could be on the move. And I'm curious your thoughts on this. And that is Jonas Valanciunas. You know, I think he's an underrated center. I wouldn't you know, say you're going to build a team around him or anything, but it's also a guy that is making a good bit of money at 15 million and they don't close with him as head coach. Willie green likes to kind of go small. Is it smart from a team building perspective then to commit that kind of money to a starting center that you don't involve as much as maybe you should at times and that you don't close games with, and it would be better to go a cheaper route and get a guy that's like a starter in name only that starts games, you know, and then starts maybe the third quarter, but you close with a guy like Larry Nance Jr. Who also doesn't stay healthy. <laughs> Yeah, issues um, there too. Yeah, um, and I like Larry Nance Jr. a lot, and and he's a guy I'd want to have um, if I can keep him on the floor. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there's a case there. I, I we're in a weird time. Um, maybe we've always been in a weird time where it regards this premise, but about how much to pay centers, um, and how much how much to invest overall, how much of your team identity, your team salary is is invested in the center, right? If you've got an elite shot blocker. 
Um, great. If you, if you've got a guy who, um, you know, if you've got, you know, if you've got Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, this is not even a conversation, but like, right. those are the only two guys who I think are exempt from the conversation with everybody else, including Rudy Gobert at this stage, you have to wonder how much is, is it really now Rudy Gobert is making more than twice what Jonas Valanciunas is making. So I don't mean to, to compare it in that regard, but like even at, at 15 million, which is what he's making this coming season on an expiring deal. Um, there's, it's a fair question as in a, in a, in a era when, um, so much of success is predicated on, uh, on, on shooting and de defensive versatility, not necessarily old school, big man stands in paint and deters people. Although as Anthony Davis is showing again, Anthony Davis also exempt from this discussion, by the way, uh, <laughs> along with Embiid and Jokic, uh, apologies for Anthony Davis and leading him out of my first exemption. Um, everybody else, I, I, I think you have to wonder now, you know, it's interesting. Like I've watched the Nets here in my backyard where they, they drafted Jared Allen uh, as a low first rounder, developed him. He becomes a, a really good, you know, uh, you know, lob, lob threat, rebounder, shot blocker, shot deter, whatever. He goes out in the hardened trade and they develop a, a kind of a, a, a version of him in Nick Claxton. Like that almost feels like the model to me, like get the guy who, and by the way, both of those guys a little bit more, I think mobile. They're <laughs> not the old school bruiser types. Um, in today's NBA, where you 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 would prefer, if possible, to, to have have your bigs be able to switch out onto perimeter players and and be able to guard. That's away why they close with Nance instead of JV. Exactly. So that being the case, to your question, yeah, I mean, if you're going to start to, if you can't, if you if your if your big three are immovable, or you just for whatever reason cannot go that direction, and you need to start saving somewhere else, then yeah, I mean, I think you know, could you find somebody to do? a lot of the things you need at the position in a different form at half the salary, maybe. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's where maybe a tweak is going to be, you know, also what's the point of paying a guy if you're not going to play him or have him close games. And is it just better to invest in other parts of the roster when it comes to that? You know, they have their pick at 14. They have a couple of bucks picks. There's another future Lakers pick. The pick swap didn't work out as well as we were hoping this year <laughs> is yeah. from building in a Smith's, kind of flamed out spectacularly there from building in a small market. You think it's better to keep those picks or do you think for this team, it's kind of time to go in now and maybe move some of those. Maybe it does include CJ in a trade. If you can get an upgrade there, even though I think the chances of that happening are pretty slim or whatever it might be, is it better to package those picks and try and make use of them. Or as you mentioned, the Pelicans have done a good job of developing talent, trying to kind of build long-term for the future. David Griffin has said, you know, sustainability is really important in a small market. How do you yeah. kind of view the balance of that? When, when, so the beauty of, you know, having the extra draft picks in addition to obviously, you know, look, you know, we've seen the history of this in this league, you package a bunch of draft picks, you go and get a Kevin Durant or a Donovan Mitchell or, you know, James Harden, whoever. Um, the beauty of having extras in reserve, especially if you're a team that is confident in your drafting and developing. And I think the Pelicans fit that bill. I think the Thunder fit that bill. I think the Raptors have mostly fit that bill. You know, you have a steady supply of cheaper talent. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, cost controlled and, and contract controlled because guys come in on these rookie deals that, you know, can last up to five years. Um, it enables you then to when your veterans get too expensive to maybe offload some of your vets and, you know, hey, I've got I can replenish. I've got an, another crop of, of guys behind them who are ready to step into roles and who are cheaper. And the, I think the Pelicans have done a really great job, frankly, um, of, of creating that kind of of ecosystem. 
so I do think there's merit to to part of what you said, which is, hey, maybe just keep them. Don't don't use these as 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 a trade bait. The thing is, there are two scenarios I could see where you would you where you want to actually use the extra picks and especially whatever you've got left from the Lakers to to go all in. You go all in when you think you're one you know deal away from making a finals run. Um, or if you just have that one obvious missing piece and that guy becomes available or especially, you know, what, you know, like the, the next superstar who who gets discontented and, and tries to force his way out of somewhere, you want to be in, in the running. The Pelicans have the ability to do that. They do have the combination of of players and picks to get in the in the chase for whomever it may be. Um, that said, you can't make the all in move when the all in move is predicated on God, I hate to do this. On no, going back to your players being I healthy, it. like, like I get it, still, it still comes back to that. Like I, it, it nothing it, else matters, right? Like it's no. that's that's their off season. It's get them on the court, keep them it's on everything. the court somehow. It's it's literally everything, everything right? Every like, single decision, every question, every every everything comes back to: Is Zion going to be healthy? Can we count on it? Because if we can, it changes how we make these other moves. It's. It's like th- my show, the rest of the offseason could be that simple. And it's just me screaming <laughs> that every, every single day. Listeners, I'm going to do more than that, I, I promise. But it really kind of comes down to that. When you have this guy, it's just figuring out how to have him on the court. I think that sums up the show well, Howard. Like, we got it. We, we nailed this here. So, that Howard Beck, thanks for coming on today. You know I really you can, appreciate you. Have my you permission, taking- Jake, just take the rest of the summer off. Um, we've like, everything is just going to be, you know, asterisk Zion health, whatever, yeah, just, you know, just re- repeat, you know, those segments and you can take the rest of this off. Yeah, off. there we go. Well, it's g- good news that I don't have to pay Zach Lowe the what up Beck money now, because I don't know how <laughs> many people are going to be listening in for two months of that. Uh, but I appreciate you taking the time and coming on locked on Pelicans with me today, man. No, thanks for having me. This was fun.